The opening text this evening is found in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, and I will read the eighth verse. 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 8, it says this, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. First Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul around 64 AD. He wrote it to admonish Timothy to refute false teachings and to encourage and instruct the church in Ephesus with sound doctrine. To the Corinthian church, Paul referred to himself by the grace of God as a wise master builder. And you find this illustrated in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Here is he instructed a young leader. He opened this chapter with these words. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And then Paul closed his admonition on false teachings here in 1 Timothy chapter 4 at verse 7 with these words, but refuse profane and old wives' fables. And here he was saying to avoid them, to not even waste your time with old fables and myths and superstitions and the traditions of men. And because the apostle was a wise master builder, Rather than focusing on the bad materials and bad tools of false teachings and myths, most of the chapter is spent rather with an emphasis on the good materials, on the good tools, sound Bible doctrine, and an exhortation to godliness. In fact, if you pick up at the end of verse 7, And then the opening text, verse 8, it says this, Exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So we find three key words in those two verses, exercise, godliness, and profitability. It is evident that throughout Paul's writings that he observed to some degree the athletes that trained for the various competitions of his day. So again, here you see where he wrote to Timothy, bodily exercise profiteth little. The Greek word for exercise is where we get the English word gymnasium. So Paul was referring to those 
who through much devotion, dedication, and hard work prepared themselves physically to compete. And for what? In 1 Corinthians 9.27, he wrote in referencing these athletes and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate or exercised in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. So for all their exercise, preparation, and their life pursuit for an event that they were not even sure that they could win, if they possibly did, what would they receive? Well, it was an olive branch, twisted in a circle, made to look like a crown. All that effort to obtain that. Now, no doubt, they had aspirations of maybe some personal satisfaction, even personal glory, perhaps even the admiration of others. But just like that crown of olive branches, those things quickly fade away. But as a master builder, Paul used this to form an image unto the minds of the believers that efforts made like this, that type of exercise, the same as put forth by the athletes, was an example to the church of the discipline needed by the Christians to persevere and to win in this Christian race, and not to win a corruptible crown, but an incorruptible crown. As Peter would write, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Just as we heard in Brother Matt's testimony, we can have a no-soul salvation, something that we are assured of, something that's reserved in heaven for us. And not just for one who would win, but for all of us that persevere to the end. So rather than getting sidetracked or even engaged in endless debates or discussions concerning these false doctrines and teachings, doctrines of devils and fables and myths, the Apostle Paul said, rather we should exercise ourselves unto godliness. In teller training at a bank, there's actually very little time spent with them reviewing the characteristics of counterfeit currency. In contrast, there's quite a bit that goes into teaching them and even putting them into a, a position where the branch might take in a large amount of money and it needs to be then broken down into straps and clips, that was done so they would handle the money, so that they would become familiar with it. They were trained that that money was made on special paper, 
It was printed with special plates that left the lettering on it slightly raised, so it had a, a unique feel to it. It had a number of security features, uh, such as watermarks and 3D thread and, and other aspects of microprinting and red and blue fibers embedded in it. So by knowing the real thing, the fake or the counterfeit could quickly be detected. And really, more often than not, it was detected by touch. And this is why the apostle admonished Timothy and admonished the church in Ephesus. And through God's holy word admonishes us to exercise ourselves to godliness. Webster's Dictionary defines godliness this way. Careful observance of or conformity to the laws of God the state or the quality of being godly, piety. And then it says this, Godliness is profitable unto all things. 1 Timothy 4, 8. Well, amen, they got something right there. They put it into the right context. They understood it's hard to improve upon God's word. So how do we exercise godliness. Let's read now verses 10 to 12. First Timothy 4, verses 10 to 12. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. This takes effort. Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, specifically of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Godliness begins with a true, born-again, experience of salvation. It says in verse 10, again, trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Of course, God is not willing that any should perish. Salvation is for the whosoever will. God wants to be the Savior of all men. That is his desire. That is his desire from eternity that all would come to salvation. But yet we can see this is specifically to those that believe. And belief here is in a present past tense form. So it's believed unto salvation. Well, to do that, that takes the transformative power of Jesus Christ when we we come to him in repentance to make one a new creature. We're old things, that old life, that old uh, sinful man, and those sinful habits 
pass away. And behold, all things become new. There's a new man, a a new creation in Christ Jesus. You know, currency doesn't one by one slowly add features until at one point it is genuine. Well, of course not. It is genuine from the beginning. And that is why the Lord told Nicodemus, you must be born again. If you are not a real Christian, if you are not enjoying the true fruits of Christianity, you need that new birth. You need that new beginning. You need that point that you can look at and know that in a moment of time, God changed your heart and you became a true believer. To exercise godliness, we have to be what the Apostle Paul instructed Timothy to be, and that is a, an example of the believers. Not an example to the believers, but an example of the believers. So again, a true believer is one who is saved and will be an example, a testimony to the world. Now today, of course, we have very sophisticated technology. We have copiers now that uh, can reproduce an image that looks just like the original. And I have seen very authentic-looking counterfeit currency that can pass a routine visual test. However, if you if it's not real, it lacks the true characteristics, the true properties of genuine currency. So under any level of scrutiny, it will be found to be fake or counterfeit. Well, in the same manner, true godliness will stand up to the scrutiny of the world. Because it is God that makes that transaction in a person's life. So if you look at what the Apostle Paul instructed Timothy here, he said that in order to be an example to others, that that example has to be in word or in speech. When God saves you, he purges the old man out. What used to come out of you no longer comes out of you. God does a thorough and a complete job. So we have to be an example in speech and in conversation, which means in our conduct. A Christian no longer has a desire to do or participate in the things of the world. Their desire is to please God and to live for God in charity. Charity is a sacrificial love. You can really only have a sacrificial love by experience, experiencing God's sacrificial love. 
When God saves us, we instantly know we did not deserve God's grace and his mercy. And so it should be natural for us to extend the same in spirit. That's the peace of God. That's a deep, settled peace. Uh, The world and its problems may range around you and, and may cause others to fear and tremble. But when you have the peace of God in your heart, the Lord keeps you on a steady course in faith. Faith is our trust in God. And that's something that's demonstrated in our walk with God as we look to him to meet our needs. And then it says in purity. Purity is holiness. And it's keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. If you want to live a godly life and continue in godliness, get sanctified. There's just no better way to do it. Salvation, justification by faith, deals with our past sins. It puts us in a place where we're justified. We stand before God as though we had never sinned, and by God's grace and by his mercy, he will take us and and help us and feed us on the sincere milk of his word. But yet we need to live godly in this present world, and that takes entire sanctification. Entire sanctification deals with the root nature of sin and how then we are to live for God, holy. Again, in this present world, when you receive the experience of sanctification, your moral nature is restored to purity and is freed from the sinful nature that came upon mankind at the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. It gives you the ability to live a life that is pleasing to God and be an example of godliness to others. And those are just only some of the benefits of that experience. Verse 13 says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, godliness. And the pursuit of it causes us to give attendance to reading God's word, to studying God's word to desiring to having God's word in our heart, to exhortation, which means to receive through faith the preaching and the teaching of God's word and in sound Bible doctrine. I believe we all understand profitability Last week, I had the occasion to note two different investment accounts. 
one of them in 2021 earned seven ten thousandths of a percent. On a thousand dollar investment, that would get you in one year's time seven cents. The other investment earned 34.8% for 2021. On a $1,000 investment, that would get you $348. That's quite a difference. I think you understand what profitability is, so I feel pretty sure I know which one that you'd want to invest your money in. Well, Paul said that bodily exercise profiteth little. It wasn't to put down physical exercise. It's believed the Apostle Paul, during his Christian ministry, walked over 10,000 miles. For you that are counting steps, that's about 20 million steps. But here he was in the context of our spiritual condition. So if you were to look at it that way, it's like that investment that's going to get you a few pennies. If you've been watching inflation, it's going to more eat up those few pennies. It's going to eat into the principal. Well, he said that godliness, though, is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. In the life that now is, we can be an example to those around us by God's grace and we can have a testimony one that can cause someone to consider what God can do for them may even lead them to Christ I know when the Lord was dealing with my heart I thought back over my life And there were people that I had come across during my life. One uh, at high school at, at Bozeman Senior High in Montana. But I knew that young man had something that made him different. He never spoke a word to me. But his testimony did. When God was speaking to me, I knew that there was a true salvation. There was a way that that I could live that would make me different. Godliness gives the world a a true picture of Christ. It is the proper reflection of the real thing. Well, certainly just like in Paul's day, there is really no lack of false religion today. There are many that claim to represent God even many that claim to represent Jesus Christ. But if their teachings and their life does not measure up to the word of God, it's fake. It's just simply a counterfeit. And if you look at the news at all, it is evident that the world desperately needs to see the genuine faith, the true salvation, 
Christians living victoriously in this very trying and troubling time. So may the Lord help each one of us to exercise godliness in our lives. Do you want to earn high profits in 2022? Well, the Apostle Paul went on to tell Timothy in chapter 6, verse 6, that godliness with contentment is great gain. If you seek after godliness, a very simple byproduct of that is contentment, and you enjoy great gain. Here, even in troubling times, and you enjoy the peace of God and the the hope of eternal life, godliness is profitable unto all things. You think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul really pursued religion. He pursued godliness from a head knowledge, but it didn't work out. How could Paul write later to others about godliness? One day he went to the feet of Jesus. He said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? We're going to have a time of prayer. Paul spent at least eight years in Arabia at the feet of Jesus. And my, what a difference it made in his life. We're going to have an opportunity to pray. You want godliness? Come down, spend time with the Son of God. And he'll teach you godliness. He'll help you with those things that concern you. He'll help you receive your deeper experiences. He'll give you a testimony that is an example to the world of victory. God wants to do that for you tonight. We're going to have an opportunity to pray. The song's 337 and the altars are open.